Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. It's Friday the 9th. I just got back from a turkey hunting killing spree, and Frank is getting ready to go on one. <laughs> and uh, we have got uh, a guest that I actually met uh, more or less on the side of the mountain. Uh, we had talked a little bit on, on social media, but when I was hunting up north for, uh, for mule deer, uh, this guy had messaged me that uh, had said, hey, I think I'm going to be in the same area. Uh, is you hunting and uh and sure enough uh, i ran into him while i was back there hunting for mule deer so justin wall ski uh what's going on <laughs> hey guys hope everything's going well on your side of the mountain yeah yeah we're we're good man i think we're gonna you kind of wanted to do this as a a uh, lessons learned type of a podcast we kind of conversed back and forth about you know doing one kind of tell the story of how we met what went on when we were back there and and what you learned on your your first more or less, uh, you know, hardcore kind of kick-ass trip, uh, into the high country. Yeah. I, uh, I'll start by saying that, uh, I, uh, on my way up, so I parked at the trail. We can't just, uh, up the road from the trailhead to kind of get acclimated. And then, um, we, we drove down that morning, uh, to the trailhead and started hiking up. And about the time I got the tree line, I sent you a message and said, Hey, if, uh, no one tells you today, you were right. This fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, um, so, so to paint the picture for everybody listening, um, at the time you and I met, um, I was, uh, just south of 270 pounds and a 42 inch waist. Um, I'm certainly not a set of car keys. Uh, so the, the hike from 10,000 to what that path is, what, 13,000 close to it. It's up there. Um, it, it, it sucked. And, uh, that tree line to the actual path where you can see it, um, that hike, if I had not, uh, made, already made the decision to, to go up that mountain, I think I would have turned around or tried to hunt the the drainage on this side of the pass. It uh it sucked. So and it, that looking up that trail, it just you can see the top of the entire way and it just sucks. Where are you from, Justin? So everybody knows. Uh I live currently in Indiana. Uh so I live on a pancake at five hundred feet. Oh damn. What uh what how did you decide to come out to Colorado and pick the un- the the area without saying the unit or specifics, I guess. Um Kind of what was your sure, process sure. As, as far as deciding that's where you wanted to hunt? So I'll refer in, uh, in some of the notes that, that I have. I refer to my brother. My, my brother was actually uh, a football coach of mine when I was 12. Uh, so he became my big brother, got me into archery, the outdoors, hunting, everything else. And uh, he lived in that area. He moved out there, I don't know, in the, the mid-90s. Uh, and became a guide for Pikes Peak Outfitters, uh, and and served as a guide all around the West. So he had uh, invited me out for several trips. I'd actually put into that tag a few times prior, uh, and never got drawn for it. In uh, 2019, I actually threw the tag with my brother and another guy on the way out. Not on the way out. A couple of weeks before the trip, uh, my brother broke his toe, and so when we got to the mountain, he's like. Dude, I can't do it. I can't make it up the mountain. And so that was the the first of many changes on my trip. But this uh, that location was entirely his idea. <laughs> so did you end up having to come out solo then? Is that what ended up happening? Uh, so the, we put in as a as a team or a group of three. Uh, the other guy I had only met for about an hour a year prior. He uh, twenty the twenty. 18, I guess. Uh, brother came out for a solo elk hunt and met two guys from Tennessee that he became friends with. And ultimately, we as a group decided to put in for the mule deer tag uh, together, the three of us. So going up to the mountain, it was supposed to be my brother, myself, and this other guy. And it turned out to be just me and this other guy, and we'd only known each other for an hour um, prior to getting to the, the camp spot. Uh, at 12,000 or 10,000 feet. So I'll take it from there for just a second. You had messaged me quite a bit earlier in the year, letting me know we may run into each other. 
So I was semi glassing for deer and expecting to see you. And I, I hadn't seen you as of yet day before season or two days or what day before season. And, uh, a guy walked by me in, uh, you know, whatever with a pack on camo and, uh, it's, it's went over, said, Hey, what's going on? And, and was like, Hey man, I'll, I'll help you out. But really I'm after a, a couple specific deer. So, uh, I'd really like to just get you a deer and get you the fuck out of here. Cause I you know, <laughs> you need to concentrate on these other ones, which we'll tell this story later. Justin got to watch me almost die and miss one, uh, and photographed it. Thank you. But Justin was, was high. You know, I said, Hey, uh, you know, I, I talked to a guy that's also going to be in here. The guy I met, uh, said, Oh yeah, I came here with him. I said, where's he at? Uh, and he said, Oh, you know, he's hiking up the trail behind me. Uh, and that was the guy that you're talking about. You came in with that You met at the trail was the first guy I met on the mountain before I had met you. So go ahead. So, and, and that's actually, I don't know that I put that in the lessons learned here, but that, uh, that story is kind of the, the first fuck up of the, of the trip. And, uh, and I apologize. I come from the, the Aaron Snyder school of thought. Sorry for anybody that gets offended from my language. Uh, so <laughs> we're not, we're the, uncensored here. Up the mountain. So coming up the mountain, there is a, on the trail, there was a particular glassing knob um, before you get to the tree line. And I don't know what, what most people do that trail in, but it's, there, I, a guy passed me on that trail uh, wearing a camelback, and he went to one of the prominent features that's uh, in that basin. And then he also passed me on the way back. He was on his way out as I was still getting to the pass. So I took my, my sweet time getting up there. Um, but there was a moment on the trail where I said, hey, dude, I'm going to have to to rest for a little bit. I'm I'm pretty well smoked. I'm just going to sit here and eat some lunch and, and kind of enjoy the view for a little bit. And, and that's when he said, okay, I'm going to go on over. I'll meet you at the top. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to be at the pass where we make a decision on where we were supposed to go. My brother had given us a plan and from the city and his, and my brother's in-laws house, you can see the pass and this one particular terrain feature. And that's where we were supposed to go. I get up to the pass and, uh, this dude is nowhere to be found. And so I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do. Cause I'm looking at the terrain feature where we we're supposed to go. And I don't see a way to get up there. Hold on, because I, I didn't know how much you wanted to tell the truth here. But since you, you don't mind saying it, I'll say it. When I ran into the guy, I'm like, so where's he at? He's heading up the trail. And I'm like, well, dude, I can see the trail. And there's no place to camp on the other side. You, I was pissed. I'm like, you left him? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, so <laughs> I went back to come. Never have met you. I went back to go find you because I'm like, well, there ain't a whole lot of square footage on that trail coming in. It's not like you can just pitch a tent anywhere. It's pretty, pretty hairy. So I'm like, well, where that, where the hell is he at? And I actually walked past you. You had set up cause you didn't know where to go, which I found out later. You had set up, uh, your camp when you came over to the first flat spot. So th- that guy, and it wasn't cool in my book. Cause I'm like, you left him on the middle of a trail in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that's kind of fucked up. So let's go back and find him. So I just grabbed my little lid and hauled ass back to go, to go find you. So, all right, go ahead. (laughs) Um, so I get up to the top of the path and I'm sitting there just trying to think, what am I going to do now? Because, you know, the, my, my, what I thought was my hunting partner has left me on the trail and he has changed plans from what we had. And I need to stop. I have, I'm, I'm, at my burnout point, if I don't do something quick, I'm going to be smoked and I'm going to need help. And so about that time, uh, two other hunters, no, not two hunters, the, I think it was a group of three or four that came up three. behind being on the trail. Yeah, and, uh, three. and they, uh, they said, Hey man, you okay? What's going on? And this is where a little bit of ego kicked in. I'm like, yeah, my buddy came up here. I, uh, we were supposed to meet here. I think he went on down to the lake as your second rendezvous point. Complete bullshit. That's a lie. Uh, ego just kicked in. I didn't want to admit that I was, uh, on, on the mountain by myself and a little bit scared. Uh, I hiked down with them to a, a little pond. And at that point, I said, you know, screw it. I'm not going to this other terrain feature. I'm setting up right here and I'm, I'm done for the night. 
And, uh, and so I got my tent set up, got my, my food out, and I said, well, there's still a little bit of daylight. I'm going to make the most of what I can here. And I went over the edge a little bit and kind of looked into the drainage that uh, you were looking into and set up. And I heard a couple voices kind of run behind me. And, uh, and I turned around and looked. I didn't see anybody. And, and then uh, and I started hearing voices again. So I got up and kind of came back over the edge. And I'm like, oh, they're insider. Holy shit. And that's when you and he were looking for me. You told me where you guys were camping. And, and I looked at dude. And I was like, hey, man, uh, this wasn't the plan that we had settled on. And you had chimed in. And he was well, that's not how any of this works. Come over and join us tomorrow. I'm like, okay. Uh, next morning, hop up, uh, get over to where you guys were, uh, right at daylight. And then, uh, not understanding where the glassing knob was and, uh, and where you guys were at, I end up on the side of the, the, the cliff, probably a hundred feet below you guys when you went on your first stalk of that day. So that was, uh, my first experience meeting the great Aaron Snyder. <laughs> well, so after that, the next day there was a lot of, um, I, I think I had told you guys, Hey, there's a couple dumb, please don't anybody take this the wrong way. But I believe I said, there's a couple dumbass deer that live by camp. You guys should be able to shoot and get out of here, uh, fairly quickly. I was going after, there was two bucks. One was what that thing ended up scoring two. There was a giant in there. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of different, couple good ones. Um, and I was going after those two specifically, they were bedded in a great spot. Hikers came in and, and kind of blew them out. And so I went in the first day and tried to get on those. They were in the timber. It wasn't working. Frank killed his buck the first day, um, called me, said, get back here. I left a bunch of food, my tripod uh, stuff. And I, you know, I think I had even told you, I said, dude, would you eat whatever food you want? Your buddy actually broke my tripod. And, uh, and, and hauled ass back and, and left you guys obviously to do what you were going to do. Your buddy actually killed one of the bucks I was talking about, I think, right in the willows. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a four by three, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was a two by two. Oh, gotcha. Son of a bitch. Just a giant forky. Yeah. I would say that, that may not have been the one of the, anyway, you know, and I left you guys with my, my gear and then I went back and, 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 and went and hunted with Frank. So what, what happened in that time after I, I left you before I, I came back and, and met back up with you? So Saturday, the opening day of season, it was kind of, we saw some deer, but with all the other hunters coming in and that, uh, that one jackass set up the decoy tent, um, oh, I there wasn't a whole that. lot moving into there. Sunday, I went. From our glassing knob in camp, and I I put on a stalk on the little deer over there. I got within about 60 yards of him, uh, and I mean, first stalk on a mule deer ever. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I got to within about 60 yards, and I stepped on a rock, and it clicked, and he went, "Oh shit, I'm out of here." Then uh, I got to have fun hike back to camp, and I pretty well smoked myself that day. Um, I didn't drink enough water. I didn't eat hardly anything all day and I got sunburned. So Monday morning we got up in glass, nothing moving around. Uh, so I went back to the, the tent and basically racked out for about a half day. Um, that hailstorm came in Monday afternoon and dude runs, he's up at the glass knob most of the day. He runs down. I think that's when he broke your spotter. Um, or broke the tripod, rather. Uh, he runs down and says, hey, man, there's two deer across the valley. Let's go get them. I'm like, all right, cool. So I hop up, and when I hop up out of the tent, I put, throw on my rain jacket and look, this dude's gone. So I grab the glass to go see where these deer are, and he's already halfway across the valley running towards where these deer are coming through. I'm like, oh, well, shit, I'm just going to sit here and, and watch this hunt play out. This Forky and this uh, 4x4 come up on this uh, on the, the hillside, and they sort of sort of stack up a little bit, and he gets to within about 40 yards of them, and the Forky gives him a shot and he takes it. And so I got to watch it run off into the, the willows, watch it and, and several other deer that were in the area. There ended up being about four different bucks that were kind of in that group. 
I got to watch all them track his deer until it fell. And then he come he came back over to camp. We went back over, tracked it, deboned it out, packed it back to camp, put it in a snowbank. And then uh that was pretty much Monday. Well then Tuesday morning I hop up to the last knob that four by four comes back and he gets to uh what I think is a stockable position. So I go back over to that side of the valley, um, and I get to what I think is going to be about 40 yards from this thing, and and I'm I'm glassing. I start freaking out a little bit because uh, it's just not where I expected him to be, and I'm trying to think of all the lessons that I've learned, you know, listening to the podcast and everything else. Of you know, what are you supposed to do now? And so I just stop, sit down, get my glass out, and just start scanning every little tree, brush, everything where I think this thing is supposed to be. And I'm like, this dude is gone. I have no idea where he's at. And I pull my glass down, and 12 yards in front of me, I see an antler twitch. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so uh, I had already knocked an arrow when I started this process, so I just clipped up and drew back. And this thing stands up at 12 yards, and I forgot my name, what I was doing on the side of the mountain, I remember pulling the the whole removing my hand from my face at full draw and anchored, pulling it away so I get a better look at this deer going, Holy shit, that's the biggest thing I've ever seen. He turns and looks at me and goes, What the fuck are you doing there? <laughs> he jumps out the forty and I, I don't uh I'm using a, a single spin rover so I didn't have a I wasn't set up to shoot forty, so I let down and tried to die forty and he goes, Oh, I wasn't seriously gonna give you a shot. He runs it out to 120 and then, uh, and then bounds out of my life. At this point, I turn and I look towards camp to see what dude is doing, hopefully thinking he was doing the same thing that I did for him the day prior. He would be watching me and what I was doing. And I pull my glass up and look, and he's over there uh, deboning or defleshing his deer skull from the day prior and playing on his phone. So I text him real quick and say, hey, man, you see where that deer went? And he goes, nope, wasn't even watching. <laughs> oh, great. Awesome. And so I, I kind of mill around on the, the hill face for a little bit, seeing if I can't see where maybe this thing bounded off and bedded up in the rocks or anything. And, you know, just complete futile, but trying to do something. Then uh, I come back to camp, talk to him a little bit, you know, kind of express my, a little bit of my frustration with, you know, what I had done for him the day prior, and he just chose not to do for me. And then went back up to the glass and knob, uh, stay in the area for a little bit, decided to go down towards, um, I guess go down the drainage towards the bowl a little bit because that's that little, little spot that's kind of hidden up in there. There's a, a small meadow that's kind of hidden up in there. So went back over there, kind of glass from there into the hill, uh, didn't see anything. And about, I don't know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon, Dude comes running down to where I was and goes, Hey man, I, uh, I gotta get that deer off the mountain. I don't want the, I don't want the, the meat to spoil. I gotta get that, I gotta get that thing off and, uh, and get out of here. I said, okay, well, you know what? I mean, it's in a snowbank, so it's really not going to spoil. You know, what are you, what are you thinking? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm going to get it off tonight. I'm like, okay, well, you could just wait till tomorrow or you could wait a couple of days and we can pack it out together. He goes, no, I gotta get it off the mountain tonight. I said, okay, so are you coming back? Or what's the plan? And he goes, I'm in a jet. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you can have fun packing that bitch down the mountain yourself. And, and, and that was kind of the, the end of my relationship with those two dudes my brother met a couple of years prior. I, and we'll get into this, um, in, in the lessons learned, but this was, uh, that was the last time I spoke. And I, I really just don't fucking care anymore. So. <laughs> Adding, you know, to that, so I, I hunted with Frank for, what, four days? Yeah, three or four days. Three, three or four days. Uh, no, it's it it may four, been four days. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite a while, actually. Yeah, I mean, Frank is, is extremely, you know, dependable, and there's kind of a, I don't know you to call it, code. You don't really want to be, leave your buddy hanging. Well, Frank, I'm over uh, blowing deer out left and right, couple miles from frank he's flagging me into and we had his deer in a snowbank he says hey i gotta pack this thing out 
I think I offered to help you and you manned up and did it on your own, which uh, didn't bother me, but I think you texted me quite a bit later and said that really sucked. Uh, <laughs> how heavy was that pack when you packed your deer out? I'm not quite sure how heavy it was, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that fun. I'm sure Justin saw me hiking out, stopping several times to sit down. <laughs> it was, uh, it wasn't enjoyable, but yeah, I mean the, the, the snowbank thing, like your buddy, he stored his deer in a snowbank as well. I think that the only reason why I had to pack mine out is because the snow had basically melted away and we didn't have any snow left. So, um, you know, I think being able to keep your, your meat in a dry sack or in a trash bag in the dry sack and then packing in a snowbank, it'll, it'll last quite a while. So yeah, I think, I think Justin's uh, partner may have just wanted to get off the mountain, but, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty efficient for, to allow, uh, allow me to stay there and kind of give you a hand on glassing and stuff. But yeah, that, that pack out sucked, man. It, it took, I can't quite remember, but maybe four hours, five hours to, to hike that deer out and I mean, it was it was a little tedious but it was it was fun in its own way I guess <laughs> well I think you know when I got when I left uh you I had um so I thought you know what I'm gonna go back and go after these you know deer and I didn't know if I would see you Justin or, or the other guy at all and I I loaded up my because I went down and I actually went down and I rinsed off in that creek came back up the other side packed my tent and then headed back the two or three miles to to Justin, where my, my food was at and my crap I ditched, and, and you were there, and, uh, you know, you told me the story, and I can't remember what my words were, but I don't, I wasn't overly thrilled your buddy had left you hanging on the mountain. You just don't do that shit. Uh, you don't, you don't leave a guy hanging unless it's, like, Frank can leave me hanging and I can leave Frank hanging because we're both uh, experienced at this, and, and we know, like, yep, I'm, we're going to go, and it's not, I would I would say that I'm explaining that semi-okay, like, if I didn't feel when Frank took his deer out that he was leaving me hanging. I'm totally fine on my own, and, and I would leave Frank if he was cool with it. And, and But you don't leave a dude hanging on his first trip, you know, so, <laughs> solo when the plan was to stay together. Frank and I, when we hunt, there's the option, or, or we know one of us may go somewhere else or go farther in or pack a deer out, and we're totally okay. So I, I think when you told me that, I was like, what the fuck, are you kidding me? Now, my memory's not great, but... What was my initial reaction when you told me that? Because I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going off of what I think I remember. Yeah, I would say that you're – so uh, I'll back this up a little bit to say that when we when we first met on on that Friday before season, uh, it wasn't really like a meeting. It was like uh, two ships passing. It was like, oh, hey, dude, how's it going? You know, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation. The uh, I would say when you came back on that Wednesday – um, I was up on the glass knob and I'd actually spotted, uh, the wide buck and found out where he was. And, um, I'd come off the spot or came off the spot and the glassing knob, uh, and was down back to camp when I saw you. And, uh, I, I made the comment of, Hey, your wide buck's back. You said something to the effect of, well, it makes me really fucking happy. And, uh, and then you came up to me and you're like, Hey man, I want to shake your hand, uh, for, a guy your size to get up here, it takes a lot of fucking heart. And, and that really stuck with me, and I'll say that. That was uh, oh, not I what was, I expected to have a, uh, I was an impressed. insult and a compliment sandwiched <laughs> together so cleanly. <laughs> I, I was impressed you made it, dude. I've told the story many times about does it, you know, if, if you've got the, you, you know, the will to do it, you can, you can make it because I, I don't know if we told this story, but I believe I thought I was texting my wife at one point, and I was texting you and – I said uh, something about this fat fucker's got some heart. I can't believe he made it. I'm flagging him into a deer right now. I really hope he kills one. But I was actually texting you, uh, and yeah. not my wife. Did am I remembering that correctly? <laughs> you are remembering that correctly. Um, the the text says uh, the fat fucker got up here. He deserves a chance. Although I think I'm going to be packing it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I would have. Reason I know that I would have. The reason I know it, what it, like exactly what it says is, um, while, while some might see that as offensive or insulting or, or whatever, I really took it as a, a little bit of a motivation of, you know, I, I, I did this when I was fat and I can, I can have more fun if I'm less fat next time I go. And so it's actually on, uh, some, uh, images and things I read for motivation. I, I think what's important, and this says a lot more about my personality, is 
and I, you would, you know, can chime in on this is, uh, I will do whatever I can for a good guy, but I'm not necessarily going to give you participation trophies. I, I would have packed that deer out for you, let you use my gear. Uh, but I'm also going to remind you, Hey, Tubby, you might want to lose some weight so you don't suck like this the next go around. But at the same time, I'll carry your shit out for you because you, you earn being in there. If, if that makes any sense, which people are probably saying you're a fucking asshole. Well, that may be, but it motivates people like, you know, it, 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 it gave me, it told me who you were as a person. So when I, when I shook your hand and just said, dude, this is badass, you made it at the same time, I'm going to remind you, remember where you're at and remember where you want to be. If you're this good weighing 265, think about where you'll be at 210. You'll be a fucking monster. So don't rest on your laurels that you made it and tell a story in 10 years that this one time I went into the high country and made it. Um, tell the story of I learned a lot and uh, I made it and, and my, my heart was there and my mind was in the right place. But now um, I can do I can do anything you, you, you type of a deal. So I would have packed your deer out. And I told my wife that I said, I may need to come off this mountain and come back in. Once I figured out I was texting you and not her. Uh, and then I, you know, I also was just, dude, you made it in there. I really wanted you to kill a deer, even if it took away some of my, you know, potential hunting. And when you spotted that buck, remember that he was killable, but I didn't think I could get to him in time. Uh, where you showed me he was at, I was like, shit, I can't make it before, you know, dark so that the next day, and I'll kind of let you take it from here. We got you on a, on a stock the next, uh, the next day. So, so yeah, the, um, so Thursday, Thursday was kind of a slow day. When we were up at the glass numb, we did have a small buck basically run through camp. He, I think we think he ended up where I went on the stock later in the day, but you sent me after that thing and, and said, I think he bedded up on those rocks over there. Um, let's oh, go check it out. And so dude, I, I went down there. I, I looked for that one. You were so fucking close to that deer and you didn't know it because of the terrain. I remember now, um, you put a good stock on that deer. He just kept feeding. Uh, you got close from what I remember, like sub 30 and you didn't know he was there. You couldn't see him. Uh, and then, um, so came back from that one and then, uh, there was a couple of does that came in. And I, and I think you were and I were eating lunch. And I said, I was all those does. And I'm like, I think I'm going to go for a stock on that doe. I said, it's an either sex tag. I've been up here and my hunt's over tomorrow. I think I'm going to do this. And you went, yep, go do it. And so I went after that, the, one of those does. And, and this is, this plays into a lot of the, the navigational podcast you've done lately of how to do a range. Uh, essentially, I didn't really understand the terrain from where we were and where we were seeing these deer, what I would be looking for on the other side of that little draw. Um, and so when I got over there, I basically just dropped in off these rocks and was like, okay, where's she at? And I had no fucking clue what I was doing or where they were at. Um, you tried to flag me in, but by the time that you and I were able to communicate, she'd already moved out. And it, I mean, I basically blew. I had an opportunity at like 60, um, but by the time I got dialed to that, she bugged out gone so it came back and we we kind of rehashed that one a little bit uh you told me that i got close a couple times and that how the interchange is the way this this tall and as as tall as the rocks and the brush were i couldn't see into where she was even though i was pretty damn close but i would have never known and it was just i was not aware of the terrain what i was actually doing and so it came back from that one and then uh we laughed up that afternoon we found um, we basically watched that group of three bucks. So your wide buck, the big four by four, and this little dink that was with them. Uh, we watched that group for most of the day. And then, uh, that afternoon you said, Hey, there's these two, these two points that, uh, deer kind of bed up here next to camp. I'm going to go check these out. I'll tell you, I'll text you which one to come to. You texted me, you said, Hey, get down here, but you never said which one to come to. <laughs> so I, I ran to the upper one, and then I got a message that says, hey, I'm coming back to camp. And basically, you got fed up waiting on me. And I'm running down the hill to, to get down to where you are. And you get down there, like, oh, hey, man, I was going to leave. And I'm, you know, we hashed out that you didn't say which one to come to. And you're like, oh, yeah, my bad. Uh, so <laughs> <It> to <happens>. me, <laughs> uh, 
so then we, you show me these, uh, these three bucks that are bedded up under this tree and you talk to me how to get down there. Uh, you, you walk me over to what becomes the cliff test. And, uh, I remember you patting me on the back and about halfway down, I went, was that a pat on the back or was that a pat on the back? Or was that a gentle push down this cliff? Cause that, that gravel shoot was, uh, something to be interesting in. You know, if we went back to the same spot, I don't know if I would do it again. I probably would <laughs> at the same time period, but I wouldn't do that on day one. <laughs> so I get down this gravel chute, uh, I tore up my pants, everything. I mean, it was, uh, and that was when you were texting me instead of your wife and everything. So I get down there and I get to within about, uh, 40, 35 yards of those deer. The, the vertical distance, like I said, the, the line of sight distance is like 60 yards. Uh, I want to say the, the horizontal is just like 40-ish. It's pretty damn steep. So when I pulled back, I say all those numbers, and I did not have an angle compensating rangefinder. I have no fucking clue. I'm just telling you what I think. I, I draw back on the deer that's kind of in the front, and about that time, I'm at full draw trying to get settled. You know, got a little bit of nerves in me at that point. He stands up, and when he stands up, there's a little... Uh, clump of cedar brush that is right in front of the I'm like, you son of a bitch. So I, I sit, sit there at full draw and kind of wait. And, you know, maybe he'll take a step. Maybe he'll lay back down, something. He ends up taking a couple steps forward, and I let go. And I watched my arrow sail all the way down the fucking mountain. And I just kind of thought to myself, well, that's uh, 30-some-odd bucks I'm never getting back. Turn around, and then I have to figure out how to get back up to where you are. And I realized how steep it actually is. People will tell stories of you're looking at your next step. Uh, well, I've actually done it now. It, it was, uh, it was steep. I don't know how long it took me to get back, but there were definitely the moments that, uh, I was using three points of contact to, to get back up that cliff. I came back out of the little willows and got back over to you and you looked at me and you said, you missed. <laughs> I went, it, it happens. Let's go find another one. And then immediately proceeded to lay down on the ground and breathe. You looked at me and said, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna head back to camp. Where's your food at? I'll go ahead and cook you a dinner so, uh, you can eat when you get back. And, you know, we hashed that out. And then you walked up and then I walked up a few minutes later and that was day seven of my trip. And then, uh, Friday we get up, go back up to the glass and knob. Spot the, the wide buck, and he is finally, no, we spot the, the three by four, the giant three by four. He is finally in, back in the area where you saw him on Thursday. We got to watch him a little bit. He moves around, and fairly early in the morning, he finds a spot that is tucked up in the cliffs where he's not going to move for several hours, just the the sun coverage and the shadows in there, he, there was just, it was like a sundial. You could tell he didn't have to move forever. Uh, and that was when, uh, you decided to go after him. Uh, you know, we, we hashed out a plan for how to communicate. I had some orange flagging in my bag and, uh, you took off around the, the basin. And I was actually very surprised how fast you got up to, where you yeah, essentially that, started your stock on this year. That shit you that climbed up something else. had nothing, has nothing on that freaking cliff I have to climb when I got over there. That thing is steeper than hell. But it, it's it's funny because, not funny, It's it, it was good for you to watch that because, one, you can you could see, one, that it's even with a guy that, like Frank or myself or someone else that's been on multiple stocks, when I got up there and I dropped off my shoes, I'm what, what was I, 80 yards too high or something? Yeah, something like that. And yeah. it looked like I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm like, okay. When I say freaking out, everything looks the same when you get there, no matter how good you are. And so I'm being really cautious. And I look in the binos and you're flagging me down. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if it's like a long ways down or not very far down. And so I'm creeping down and I get a ways down and, and, uh, I get, I, I'm right above it. And, and at the point I got above it, what was going on in your mind? I don't know. I, I was, at this point, I was still kind of in awe of where you were and where this thing was. You know, from my view and 
you go back and look at the pictures. Even, even through the spotter, I'm trying to film this through the spotter on my, on my cell phone. I think I sent you the video, if not, I can. But I'm trying to narrate. So what a Harpia 85 spotter, this thing is zoomed all the way in. And I'm trying to narrate what I think you're doing through what I can see on the spotter. And after I went back and watched it again, I'm like, I had no fucking clue. Even through the spotter, I couldn't actually tell what you were doing. It, you were you were close, but I was in pretty much awe of how you were going to try to do this. Well, well, this was the buck, and Frank and I talked about this. I got above it. I was 12 yards. Well, I was 15 at first, and it was pretty pretty much a vertical face. When I say pretty much a vertical face, if I would have slipped, I would have landed on the deer. And that that's not an. I'm not trying to gritty the hell out of it. That's just how it was. I mean, if I fell, I would have landed on the deer. And uh, I was looking at his egress points thinking, I don't know that I'll even have a shot if I wait this out. Like he would have to go into one exact spot where I was at to get a shot. And so I was assessing like, okay, the chances of him going out that spot aren't great, but I think I got a good chance to get down these cliffs because it was hard rock and vertical. So I wasn't making noise if I can do it without falling. When I got down above it, I was on, um, basically it was vertical and I had a little ledge. And so I thought I'll get here. Once I get stable, I'll jump him up, get him to stand and shoot him. And it seemed like a good idea until I got there because it was so steep. I had to bump my butt against the rock, stabilize myself with my limb tip, do that, not fall, get the deer up and then gangster style shoot it, which seemed great three yards above me. But when I got down there, it wasn't as great of an idea. And, and you've got photos of this. It's hard to tell in the photos. It's a vertical wall. And I'm, my leg, my calves are starting to shake because they're starting to kind of give out because my toes were straight down and my tips of my toes were kind of holding my body up. And we weren't 100% sure. I didn't think I hit it when I had shot because um, I had to draw it literally sideways uh, and draw like three-quarter draw to try to hit it. And it was 8 to 12 yards away. It wasn't very far. And, you know, and, you, and obviously you were – you were watching this the entire time. Yeah. Uh, I, I've made the comment before that, uh, I think you were, uh, using your ass to suction cup yourself to the wall. It was, <laughs> it was steep. Um, I mean, it, it, if it wasn't, uh, completely vertical, it was only one, two degrees. It was, it was, it was steep. Well, I can tell you and, and Frank can, I'm not, I mean, if I die, it'll probably be in cliffs. I'm not, I don't mind the the heights and the cliffs. And looking back at that, that's one of the very, one of the t few times where I look back and think that was really fucking dumb. Like I should not have, you know, I've got a wife and a kid and in it. And I'm again, I'm not trying to over dramatize it. It just is what it is. I, once I got to the point where I could have shot, you know, guys were like, did you wish you have a compound? I'm like, I couldn't have drawn the compound. Who are you? I'm like, I'm obviously not <laughs> orchestrating this or telling the story well. It was luckily I got out of there without falling off the, you know, the cliff. But I, I took the shot and then uh, climbed out of there. I called my wife at the top and then, um, you know, put the cone of shame on and hauled my ass back uh, to you. And, uh, we, you know, we headed out not too long after that, actually. Yeah. So there was uh, the next group of guys just coming in and, and we bailed out around lunchtime, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we hiked out. Um, so name off, I mean, you got a list. I mean, name off some of the things, like, top to bottom. What what did you learn? I mean, what what did you look back and think, wow, that was stupid? Actually, I've got a list of, like, 14 lessons learned. I, I think it'll just be fun to just kind of read through them. Uh, we've talked about a couple of them here, but uh, some of the notes that I've, I've put in here I, I, I kind of like. Go west as soon as you get the notion you want to. Don't wait till you're 40-plus. Uh, I got the bug to go west uh, when I get on two eastern Colorado whitetail hunts. My first elk trip turned into an epic bow hike with car camping, four hunters, different expectations of what the hunt was supposed to be. And, you know, on that trip, given where I was in life, I was happy to donate my money to Colorado to just go camping. But this is where I really knew I wanted to come back and go hunt. Number two, the cheapest weight you can shed from your pack is around your waist. The 60 extra pounds you packed at the mountain won't make things any easier. I will tell you that uh, I worked out and rucked all summer 2019, and I lost about 20 pounds. But I should have taken a less casual approach to it and uh, 
and, and worked out and done more. I let stress and life get in way get in the. I let the stress in life make decisions for me. Uh, three, know the difference between hunting partners and campmates, and know which one you have with you. I assume the guy I went up the mountain with was my hunting partner and treated him such. Spotting during his stalk and tracking his deer after the shot, helping to debone and pack out back to camp. He treated me as a campmate. When I went on my spike the next day, he was cleaning his deer skull and playing on his phone. I could see him and he could see me. All he had to do was pair, pick up a pair of binos and sit in camp. Four, make a plan for meat care and stick to it. My campmate had, had, had a deer packed in snow and left the next day. He didn't want it to spoil. Frank left the, the following day and after having his pack in snow for five days. I'm not going to lie, I'm still a little bit better at this. When he said he had to get it off the mountain, I let him pack it down himself. Five. You, hold on. Do you think go ahead. if you would have if you would have helped him pack it out, do you think you could have made it back in there? Uh, yeah, I would have because I was that stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can attest to that. Um, and then do you think that? And you and you would have initially helped him out. Uh, from from what I know of you as a person, the only reason why you didn't help him was because he basically kind of blew you off. I'm, I'm assuming and in, in, in gathering that. Yeah, I found out later he, the reason he wanted to get off the mountain was to go hunt with his brother. And had he told me that, I probably would have helped him. But he just said he was going to get out, and that was all the answer I got. So, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, unless you're hunting with a guide service, don't plan on your hunting partners being your guide. I was lazy and did not research enough about hunting mule deer because I was expecting my brother, a former guide, to teach me while out on the mountain. He broke his toe and I was unable to make it to the mountain. And so I was up there basically holding my pud in my hand trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. Uh, one of the reasons I was so thankful for the, the Thursday and Friday I got to spend with you to actually learn to shit hunt. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of lessons that um, I took about mule deer hunting that uh, aren't in here, but they are in my lesson. Six, keep a good attitude. There is way more country and animals, but the adventure is the only thing that matters today. You can't train for a cliff. Number seven. Number eight, whitetail guys need to rethink angled shots. Is there a steeper? It is way steeper than out of a tree stand plus distance. Cheap. Get a rangefinder with angle compensation. I live in India on a pancake. Steep angles are hard to come by. Tack helped me understand, but I was not really ready to judge the cut out west. What's the new uh, loophole rangefinder? Uh, full draw four. Number nine, go fuck up a stock. It's the only way to learn. Uh, five stocks in eight days is a phenomenal learning experience. Two of those were legitimate shot opportunities that I still fucked up. Uh, full honesty, I shit the bed on the first legitimate stock I got to what I thought was to be going to be 40 yards. I freaked out when I could not find him. And then when he, when I saw him twitch his head at 12, um, when he stood up, I forgot why I was at full draw and pulled the bow away from my face. Number 10, don't get too close too fast. The buck may have moved to a different bed and closed the distance on you. 11, public land, hunting public land. You may find assholes that want to make their hunt great, but fuck your hunt. Play the game or find a new spot. Don't bitch about it. Don't be that guy to put a, up a decoy tent and blow the deer out of the basin. Next time, I might be the guy that shoves his tent under a rock. Twelve, hunting industry celebrities might be cool or they might be dicks. Remember, they don't know you and you only think you know them. Don't be buddy-buddy. It's gay. <laughs> uh, food. Uh, so this is when you really helped me out on think quality food and live off of it for a few days, then reevaluate peak refuel off grid, honey stinger, Justin's almond butter and Tonka elk bars are all winners. Butthole sandwiches, uh, for those that don't know, the bagel with nut butter and bacon, uh, and trail mix for every day was not the best choice for me. Uh, I would limit next time. I threw a bunch of the birds rather than pack it down the mountain. I will say that the the weight of my food or what I what that was, um, I couldn't eat it after a couple of days. Uh, I threw so much away because I just couldn't eat it. I do want to experiment with some cured meats and hard cheeses. I'm just not sure how much I trust salami sitting in the back of my pack for a few days. 
I also might pack some uh, some garbage food, some ding dongs, ho hos, or whatnot. When you crush yourself on a failed stock, just a little bit of sugar to pick up your pick yourself up. You had something on the mountain that uh, it for me on after eight days, it looked like you were eating a fucking cinnamon roll. It's a cookie. and I forgot to ask you what the hell it was. It's those cookies. Uh, they're five hundred and eighty calories. I got uh, John Barclow addicted to them now. You know those big ones that they sell at uh, Vitamin Cottage? I don't get them very often. So when I go back in there, I eat a lot. Um, I I burn a lot of fuel, as you saw with the client. I don't think people, unless they've done it, really realize the amount of exertion you're you're putting into those stocks. Um, I don't Frank, what what would you say you're burning a day on a hard day? I mean, I don't got to be 6,000 calories. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're going across those basins or if you're two stocks a day, man, that's a lot of calories. Yeah, and the glass is uh, easier to f- – your your glass, meaning Justin Walski's glass, is pretty easy to fill. Frank's and I, we've been back there a lot. So our, our glasses – like where you went down to, to go put a stock on that deer – uh, Frank and I run up and down that it, it just in a second because we train for it. We live out here. It, it's not a matter of um, anything more than we're here all the time. And so those kind of things are hard to quantify. So f- f- me to go on a stock, I, I'd go on that stock. You watched me go on four times in a day without, well, Frank watched me do it as I was blowing deer out without blinking an eye. Frank would do the same, but you can't explain that. I couldn't explain that to you over the phone or text without you doing it. Now, you're probably like, oh, that's that's what that's what he's talking about. You know, you you got to see it with your own eyes, the the issues that you you run into, and so food for me is extremely important. Not quite as important for for Frank because I had to eat graham cracker crunch granola bars because that's all the food he had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that that wasn't the best planning on my part. Last, <laughs> last year, I I was looking at this post on on my Instagram from last season. I brought over 3,500 calories for a day. And that still wasn't enough. I was still hungry. So, yeah. So I have really high caloric intake food and it tastes really good. Um, that's my main goal. My macros are fairly balanced. I'll eat it at any time and I'll eat that food when I'm home, meaning it is good. No matter if I'm, uh, in the middle of the city or on top of a mountain, I want it to be something I want to consume when I get back other than Frank and I'll eat all of our food glassing because it tastes so good. But, um, you know, that is important because you want to be able to, you want to eat when you get back, not like, oh God, this thing tastes horrible. So the food I have is very good tasting and, and very high caloric intake with, with good macros. Yeah. So it was funny. You said, uh, uh, I think you're planning for like 6,000 calories a day or something less than that. But, um, I know that when I packed that trip, I planned for around 22,000 to 2,200 calories a day. Yeah, I'll eat that shit by noon. <laughs> so, I mean, going back to food, this is something that people need to think about more. I mean, right now I have probably two years worth of food and snacks and everything uh, stacked up in my garage where I've been buying stuff to test and actually figure out if I like it. You know, now that off-grid has finally got his machine up and running, I've, I got some of his pre-order stuff finally. Um, I've got a a stockpile of peak refuel, got some Heather's Choice. You know, Joe Rogan should be happy. I've bought several boxes of the Zelf bars. Those things are fucking phenomenal. I've got one here at my desk right now. Guys that are wilderness athlete, they should be really proud of their packout bars and packout bites. I'm loving those things. Uh, one that I think you might like if you haven't tried it is a That's It fruit bar. For a little bit of a, a sugary fruit leather, uh, that's pretty phenomenal. It says and what's it's good like with mangoes and apples. They sell those at gas stations, which is good. You can find that at a lot of gas stations. Valeros have them in Texas, um, and really? they are good. I, I bought them. Uh, I bought a bag of them. They're like sixty calorie little snack bites. I bought them at uh, Costco in a bag. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun. Uh, I found that you mentioned something that sometimes Hobo Bar, and I actually found one at our local Whole Foods type of store, um, and. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with a couple that I've tried. Um, so those are probably going to make it in the bag. So uh, keep going down the list. Uh, 14 for me. Uh, gear. So gear changes. I would take a different sleep system next time. My uh, zero-degree, four-pound bag uh, 
uh, was a bit much. It was $69 from Dick's when I bought it back in 2008. But it was, uh, I didn't use it more than just a blanket up there. I've actually already purchased a car quilt and, uh, at 20 degrees and two and a quarter pounds, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. I've already took it out and, uh, uh, have a couple nights under it now. Um, I know you're not, I don't think you're a fan of the quilts. I, you know, being a bigger guy and, and a stomach sleeper, it's, it's nice to be able to just kind of cover yourself up and, and go to sleep. In my pack, I took an extra shirt, underwear, and socks to change after four days. I really enjoyed the clean change of clothes, but I probably could have cut the shirt. My, uh, the, the wool shirts I was wearing, I, I couldn't tell that they stunk. So I probably could have cut that one out. I had a black Ovis heavyweight wool hoodie and an Under Armour lightweight fleece uh, in the bag. I only needed one of these. I only wore the fleece, the fleece at camp, and the hoodie never came out of my bag. So it was probably another little bit of weight that I could have cut out. My rangefinder, I had a 10-year-old Nikon Pro Staff 3 whatever rangefinder uh, with no angle compensation. That was a mistake. Uh, I should have upgraded before this trip. I, I made some comments to, to Frank before the trip. Like, hey, how important is uh, angle compensation? And he goes, you know, rangefinders are cheap, man. Go buy one. It's on all of them now. Well, I didn't, and I paid the price. I've replaced my rangefinder now with a pair of SIG BDX rangefinding binoculars. This uh, really cool guy I know helped me out with pair. Next item, dark energy power bank. I, uh, I took a... Dark Energy 10,000 milliamp power bank. But I ended up using my phone a lot more than I expected, and I needed to recharge uh, a lot more. And so while I thought this thing would last me a week with about four charges, I ended up using the solar charger you left at your camp to recharge both my phone and that uh, power bank a couple times during the eight days. So I would certainly consider getting a 20 or 30,000 milliamp uh, power bank uh, and or a solar charger next time uh, in the high country especially. Uh, gear that worked. So shelter, I used the Kafaru Super Tarp. Uh, I love the space and versatility. The The footprint was a little bit larger than I thought it was. Uh, once I got it up on the mountain and set it up, I'm like, wow, that's that's really bigger than I thought. And when you stake it all the, the side guy out and guy lines everything on it, it's probably got a pretty big footprint. You know, I stressed a lot about getting the annex uh, you guys, at the time, 2019, the super tarps were, you know, hard to come by. And then uh, the annex, you guys just didn't have them. Uh, you had a limited run of them, and I was able to snag one. And then I got up on the mountain, and I didn't even use it. I, I don't know why I stressed so much over it. I just didn't even go on the tent. Clothing, I used the cryptic Bahala system. Uh, I bought all this on camo fire, and I used the, the black ovas. 150 grain uh, wool shirt. Uh, I'll say that all of this was great. The pants did not survive the cliff test, but uh, everything uh, was was really cool to wear. I trained in the shirt all summer, and I didn't wash them to see how bad they would actually smell. Uh, and before I washed them, before packing the trip, I gave it to my wife to give it a sniff test. Uh, she said it wasn't bad, uh, but it wasn't fresh either. So, uh, binos. Uh, you get a, an ungodly amount of optics question, and I, and I giggle at it a little bit. For my binos, I have, uh, Nikon Pro Staff 7 10x42s, and I use a, a Vortex Summit tripod. Uh, none of this is top of the shelf. Uh, I bought those Nikons for 150 bucks at Dix probably 10 years ago. It, none of it's not top of the line stuff, but it worked. I was finding gear just as well as everybody else was. No, I wasn't, uh, the image wasn't as clear and I wasn't judging them in low light conditions. But I was able to find deer on the mountain and I was keeping up with everybody else. Overall, I feel like I made a lot of really good decisions. I may have packed a few extra pounds and not been in the best of shape to capitalize on every opportunity, but I had fun, I learned a ton, and I got everything out of the trip I wanted but an animal. I even managed to get a few picks of pretty sunrise sunsets. <laughs> Those pictures yeah. are important if you um, don't kill an animal. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I kind of ended my uh, with saying this with, with some of the good decisions I made. I went and I tried. I moved at my pace and I kept I kept a positive outlook even though the plan failed and my campmate failed 
I took every stock I thought I could make. I tried to learn what the mountain tried to teach me. I only let my actions and my decisions influence my attitude. When given the opportunity to learn from someone with more experience, I tried to be respectful and soak in as much as I could, and I have decided to go back. We probably should put that on a T-shirt, learn what the mountain teaches you. And then we can put, like, little fat Justin on one side and little skinny <laughs> Justin on the other. <laughs> the evolution of Justin. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with, with everything, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, and you're going to go back in, you know, obviously that one trip, which I've told people, you know, whatever you do, just go. Like, that's the, you know, the big one. And you might have your sight set, let's say, on a – four by four in the beginning and on day six it might be a three by three and might be a doe on day eight or nine it doesn't really matter what animal you shoot when you're getting started out I mean it doesn't matter you know shoot what makes you happy but you know if you wouldn't have went you'd still be wondering and and wait four years and go and then you've you know make all the same mistakes so I just going is is important and I mean obviously you know I tried to help you with a limited time you know with what I you know what I could help you with but um when you run into people on the mountain, which is inevitable, you've got a, some choices to make and you can be an asshole and you can screw each other over or you can try to do your best to make the best of the situation that's put in your hands. And, you know, in my case, I was just excited that, you know, I was, um, I don't want to say amazed, you know, cause the human body's capable. I just knew I'm like, if this fucking guy made it, uh, you know, he's a, he, he's a mentally strong, good dude. Cause it's not an easy, you know, hike in. And so I had a lot of a lot of admiration uh, and respect for the fact that you made it and really wanted to, I really wanted to get you an animal. Um, obviously I sucked at that and we didn't make that happen, but, um, you know, I, you know, you get back there and you earn something, you're not an asshole. You'd be amazed at how much other people will help you where if you get back there and you're a dick, you're probably not going to get, you're going to have a feud in the back country where you, um, was, you were a very easy person for me to help out. And I was more than happy to, to help out in what, what little I could. And, and, and again, I'm glad I met you on the mountain. Um, you know, I wanted to do this podcast a long time ago and just with schedule and my memory, not great, but, um, yeah, man, it, it was a pleasure meeting you back there. And, and I had a lot of, I got a lot of respect for you now. And I had a ton that you made it in there. It says a lot about the dedication and heart that, that you've got. So, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad you, you're able to hop on and, and I'm glad you're not mad at me for calling you a fat fuck. <laughs> when I sent that, I I sent this whole spiel, and I looked, and I'm like, "That wasn't Amy, son Shit. of a." <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and I, and I think that's what you know. The, we live in such a world now that people get offended at at everything, and you know, when I first looked at it, I went, "That asshole, what the fuck?" And, and then I'm like, "Okay, well, it wasn't meant for me, and he's not. It's it's his language." You know, and I, I think you and I come from a similar world where language like that, those are, are words that, you know, you know, words and adjectives that we use to describe people. And it's not meant as an insult. It's a normal adjective to describe somebody, you know. So it, it, it took a little bit of a language check, but I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I, and I don't mean to harp on that one at all. You know what I mean? Hell, some of the conversations we had back there were, you know, every other word was, you know, some sort of either acronym or uh, <laughs> yeah, insulting type of adjective to uh, describe it. Probably describing so, the dude that left you know, on the mountain. I do remember some of those. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and I'll say that, I'll say this to, to say it in, a, in the most polite way I can. I haven't told that story anyone until I went to Elk Shape Camp in February. And the reason I told this story in February, I met the shop owner of Dude's Archery Shop. Um, and that was the first time I told the story. And people can be assholes. It doesn't matter who you are. And people can be awesome. It doesn't matter who you are. So, you know, if, if, you're, if you're good in life and you just treat people with respect, you know, that's a, that's a long way to go to be a good hunting partner for people. You know, I, I think, you know, if we, if we focus on hunting partners, I, I think you've, you've done a few podcasts over the years on this. Hunting partners is, can be like a marriage, but it's, it's very much just having the same expectation 
or having an understanding of expectations you want out of a hunt. My first Western trip with hunting partners, you know, the four of us came out on the mountain and, and I was expecting to have a, you know, a backcountry experience, sit in the mountain for seven days and hunt elk. Two of the dudes, they expected to come back to the car every night and, you know, and camp next to the truck. And, and with those two different ideas of what was supposed to happen, you know, we had different expectations of how things were supposed to play out during the day. On that particular trip, we actually got into elk uh, one day, not too far from where we were uh, mule deer hunting. We got into elk, and it was starting to get to the the point where we had to decide, okay, do we start heading back towards camp, or do we stay here? And my brother and I said, hey, we're going to stay right here and be in these elk tomorrow. And the other two guys said, well, we didn't bring any food. We don't have any rain gear. We don't have our sleeping bags. And we went, so problem like get in your and get in your backpack and you know tough it out well it'll be over soon in the morning and and they basically said no we got to go back to the truck we don't feel safe that's around the mountain like okay well can you get back to the trucks yourself and no we, we don't think we can and so my brother and i had to, to pack them down the mountain uh back to the truck and about halfway down the mountain i think i said we're not going to back up this trip's over. And and those two guys kept saying, oh, yeah, we're coming back up here in the morning. We'll be back you know, first thing in the morning. Next morning, no one moved. It, it was That trip was over. I had my stuff packed up and in the truck before everybody else got up. That trip was over. But it comes back to expectations. Everybody's got to go into the trip with the same expectations or at least an understanding of what the expectations are from the group. I've, I've been burnt twice on expectations. Uh, I don't think I'd ever make that decision again. I would certainly have an interview session with uh, anybody that was going to not like, so I know what to expect from them. Because the dude that left me on the mountain, yeah, I'm uh, I'm still a little bit bitter about that. You know, I wasn't I wasn't afraid for myself uh, or scared up on the mountain. Maybe a little like on day one. You just don't leave people. Like if you're with somebody on a trip, you stay with that person. You, you have a battle buddy. That wasn't what his expectation was. He thought he was on a solo hunt and this other dude was just along for the ride. And that's kind of how you and Frank are. You are, you know, on the mountain together, sort of, but you're on individual solo hunt and you have a support system to rely on. And, you know, even if you're, you know, a mountain away, there's still that support system. And what this particular dude did to me is he took away my support system. And and for me personally, what's worse is he came to me and said, hey, I, I talked to Aaron. He's coming back tomorrow. And he'll be here to help you out. I'm like, dude, Aaron doesn't know me, and I don't know Aaron. What the hell are you thinking? You know, that's, I don't know how much more you want to talk about that, but that was. Uh, I mean, I think we covered it. It's just uh, make sure you got a good partner is the the big one that, that you can, that you can trust and, and it'll help you out. And I mean, if, if one thing like Frank doesn't really like me, I, well, I mean, Frank, you can chime in, but I don't, Frank really likes to do it alone. He doesn't really want me there while he's on his hunt. Uh, but he doesn't mind helping me. I need a little more help <laughs> with the recurve. Um, but I mean, Frank, you probably choose to hunt solo, but I don't think it bothers you. I'm two miles away or something to, but you, you kind of want to do the hunt on your own, but if you know, I can help you out, but you can do it on your own uh, as well. I kind of chime in on your thoughts on that one, Frank. Yeah. I don't mind helping out. Um, I always just, for me, since I started doing the, the backcountry uh, mule deer thing, I always consider that to be like my, uh, yearly test, I guess, of being able to stay back somewhere solo, uh, test your, mental strength and physical strength and willingness to, uh, do whatever it takes to accomplish a goal. And that's kind of like my yearly goal is, you know, go out on these, on this solo backcountry hunt and try to get it done as, as much as possible. I don't mind the company in, uh, at all, but that's kind of just the, the hunt I like to do by myself. And then, you know, throughout the year we do a, a bunch of other hunts with, with people, but, um, helping out, I have no problem helping out if I, if I can. And yeah, I think, what Justin was saying though, also it's, it's good to be on the same page with, with your hunting partner, your buddies or whatever, and kind of outline what, what you have in mind as far as what your expectations are. But yeah, that, the, the backcountry, the mule deer hunt in Colorado, that's kind of like my, 
yearly deal where where I go out solo and and like to try to try to get it done all on my own um, if if possible. But you know, having help isn't ever a bad thing either. So, but I don't I don't mind hunting alone. Is is a thing. So, but we and that's why I wanted you to talk. about That's the expectations we have. I know that. Um, if Frank calls me and say, Hey man, I actually killed an elk. Well, he knows I'm going to come help him. And, uh, you know, Frank kills one. He knows he can, he's, I, I know he can come help me. Um, and, and that's already blueprinted and written out. And, you know, if you go back with a guy that's for lack of a better words, needy, um, and needs someone with you all, it needs to be there all the time. You know, you need to, you need to have that forecasted. Frank and I are just as happy, by ourselves or together you know it doesn't really matter where i need help is just getting flagged in i don't i don't necessarily need you know the company every night and i i enjoy it but it doesn't have to be there but uh if frank's going to help flag me into a deer i'm certainly not going to turn it down um and, and and again that with the recurve especially but again if if uh well shit when i shot my deer after uh you and i left justin we went to alaska and then i came back in i went in solo and got a deer but frank was nice enough to come down and and help me, I would have done the same expectations and, and knowing that and, and with hunting partners, you, you can, you can, you can get some bad ones. So have that mapped out ahead of time, but man, we're, we're about hitting a half an hour and a half here and I got to go, uh, I don't know, Frank, you got my meme. Um, I got to go pick up my mountain bike, uh, <laughs> cause I need to go hammer. Um, <laughs> but Justin, I, man, I appreciate, uh, you hopping on here and I, I, man, I appreciate the friendship and I'm, uh, very rarely do I say that I'm happy to uh, meet some in my in my hunting spot or the hunting spot, uh, but dude, it was a pleasure. And, and I got to say, for anybody thinking about going, you're a prime example. You weren't exactly the pinnacle of fitness. You got back there, you got some stocks in, you damn near got it done. Shows what kind of person you are and what kind of heart and drive you have. And you know that that should definitely be noted on this podcast. You're a, you're a solid dude. Thank you very much. Sir. I appreciate that. No problem. And again, I apologize for calling you a fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just meant that in a Christian way. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, man, uh, stay in contact. Obviously, you know we shoot messages back and forth to each other. But uh, but yeah, if I if I don't talk to you, I'm sure I will. But keep me posted, and if you get back in there, let me know how it goes. Sure, we'll do. All right, man. man take it see easy, you, Justin. Yep. Hey, before we uh, sign off, uh, let me try to do a uh, an opening credit for you. Lay it out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kafara Cast in today's shit show. <laughs> uh, that's funny nailed it oh shit all right man take it all easy right. see you justin